Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name is Kurt Robinson. And my name is Aaron Battle. So today we're talking about sharing economies like Uber and, and uh, relay rides, get around, lift, sidecar, different ways you can share your car or share other people's car or share, share your tools that you have in the shed. Maybe you will share your home studio or your gym. Or your bed. Airbnb, sharing accommodation, is also quite popular. There's many different types of these new sharing economies to create value and, uh, mm. you know, extract value from objects that might be sitting around your house. Yeah. So using things that were previously unused and now you can put them to use when you're not using them. And that means you free, free up some, some people's time. I mean, it will free up some people from uh, having to purchase something when they only need to use it for a few hours. Um, maybe they only use it for a few hours every few months, like a, something like a lawnmower. So in, in that case, you don't have to worry so much um, about putting an outlay of several hundred dollars for something you, you only use occasionally. So it's about changing your mindset and uh, changing the, maybe the way you want to interact in your community with your, with your objects. For example, um, being a vegetarian may not uh, may have different meaning with different principles. You know, you, when it comes to grazing, for example, <laughs> you mean like a cow, or I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> oh, I only recently found out what grazing meant. Be be a, a grazing human means a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, so, so you better watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can get people to, to do things for you over the internet or to come around and bake cakes for you. Um, all, all sorts of little services. When people have a little spare time, they can start to share that time with their community and maybe it's paid and maybe it isn't. Uh, and, and that's a, a new form of economic activity. And it's very interesting. Um, so it's going to have a, a lot of effects worldwide. It's start to see things um, drop in price because it's easier to get them um, get get a, a decent quality perhaps from your neighbors uh, perhaps a, a, a very a skilled amateur rather than paying it for a professional who you don't really want to pay for <laughs> it might change the way and how you want to pay for things hmm. so you know, issues with, with money, it's like you, you begin to see this as a form of communication, not as mm. a store of wealth. Or maybe maybe storing mm. your wealth mm. maybe in, in different objects so you're not so bound by this system of control. Yep, yep. And you're not so tied up with, with your possessions, like maybe you move to a new community but you're going to just borrow a lot of things and so, so you're not, uh, you don't have to use a lot of space either so maybe you can move into a small home and there's these are all kinds of things that we explore in this episode so we hope you like it uh, press like on youtube and press subscribe on youtube press like on facebook and press hover over hover over the like button on facebook and press the get notifications button so you can hear every piece of crazy bullshit that comes out our mouths also, press subscribe on iTunes, press subscribe on Pocket Casts, and we really love it when you do that magical thing that makes us get down on our knees and pray when you go to donate.theparadiseparadox.com 
and give us some money by bitcoins or by altcoins or by PayPal. Uh, we really we really appreciate that because uh, we know that when when we do that, when when you do that, um, it shows us a token of your appreciation. It shows us that you really care about what we're doing or you've found some interesting ideas in there. Um, so we like you so much when you do that. <laughs> we like you anyway, but we especially like you when you do that. Uh, and also another way you can help out the show. If you're gonna buy something from Amazon, so maybe you're gonna buy some electronics or some uh, video cameras or maybe some, some uh, interesting books from Amazon, what you can do at no inconvenience or cost to you, except for the two seconds that it will take to go to theparadiseparadox.com and click on Shop Amazon up the top so you can go onto Amazon. Um, it's not going to cost you anything extra, but it does mean that we receive a small commission from every purchase that you make. So if you're going to spend a million dollars on Amazon, make sure you do that so we get a cut. Uh, and thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening. We're going to get right into it. Sharing economies. Sharing is caring. Yes. Sharing care bear economies. Well, <laughs> you uh, to share, there has to be some kind of uh, awareness in, in the whys. <laughs> does it? I don't think there does have to be. <laughs> I don't really know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about the the sharing economies that recently seem to become some kind of trend, you know, to be be more social aware of you know the 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 overall costs of you know your business or your activities. Mm. So I uh, you know I'm saying sharing is caring, kind of a, a laugh because uh, you know you start to consider things that normally you may not consider if profit is what you're looking at. Yeah, well, okay. I think there's, two, I mean, there's two angles of that because, yeah, uh, I mean, if you do uh, share things, uh, it can uh, be better for the uh, environment or it can use less resources, but it, it can also be in your benefit because uh, it means you can save money. Uh, like you don't have to buy something if you can rent it uh, or borrow it from a neighbor or something like that. And that means that we need less resources to create things. And that means there's more resources available to uh, do cool things. Um, like more money. Yeah, it means, it means there's more money available too. Yeah. So, yeah, so recently uh, there's been uh, quite a few articles popping up saying that uh, the, when automated cars come in, then um, maybe people will forego the cost of having a car completely. Maybe it will just be a luxury and regular people will just say, you know, why do I need a car when I can uh, get a car from Uber for, you know, a couple of dollars to take me where I need to go. It arrives quickly and 
uh, it's there's no standing costs. And I don't need to worry getting a park. Yeah. I can get off at the yeah. front door and it's just comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so, I mean, Uber, Uber is already helping in that regard. I mean, among other ride sharing programs, uh, because it means you, you can get a, you know, a taxi ride that's like half the cost. And it, it means people are making money in their spare time as well in some cases. So people have a day job, but they also have time which they can, can commit to something else. And um, so they can do, the, do this job on the side and they don't need to go through the stress of being employed or, you know, they can set their own hours and things like this. So the thing about it is it's about it is about resources so in an economy if you have unused resources that means they're wasted resources so the resources can be time or they can be money they can be physical things like a lawnmower uh they can be well it could be food i guess as well that's uh that's that's a possibility too and like you know um when i was living in melbourne it was a quite a big movement uh, they call it freeganism, which I don't really like the name. So it's, it's kind of find it kind of uh, what's lame? the word? Yeah, lame. I guess <laughs> <laughs> kind of twee. Uh, and and well, what these people do? Some I mean, some of them will. Um, some of them are actually vegans, and they um, or normally they're vegans, and they won't eat things that are from animal products. But if something is going to be thrown away anyway. Then they might eat it. So if they go if they go dumpster diving and they find some cold cuts that are well packaged and obviously just approaching the um, use by date or you know it might be on the day of the use by date, they'll say, "Yep, I'll use that." <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, you know, we we draw a line. I mean, I've, I've been trying for a little bit to cut back on meat, mm. and it, it's like you really begin to to question why. You know, is it because you, you, know, you don't want to support the industry anymore? Is mm. it because you're worried about maybe the animals aren't treated very well? Or is yeah. it because you're worried about your stomach bacteria and the way it might start controlling your mind? Um, and then, okay, there's some, uh, is there some kind of mind-controlling, brain-controlling parasite in beef that I'm not aware of? I'm sure there's many. <laughs> that's that's okay. another episode. Uh, well, I mean, that, that's, not, that's not the reason why I don't eat meat. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure my, my stomach acids conquer those bugs. But, you know, some, sometimes I, I do wonder, like, you know, these, these chickens looked after well, and is this the industry I, I want to support? But, I mean, do I sometimes cheat and eat a little bit of chicken? If it's, gonna, if it's there anyway, it's like, you know, maybe I didn't vote for it exactly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this whole sharing economy thing, it's like, I think it's really about voting with your dollar. And yes. if, if someone finds something no cost. It's like, well, am I going to waste it, or uh, or am I going to am I going to throw down these these cuts? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And why, like, why not use it if it's there? And that's what, that's the like the mentality of of these freegans. They're, they're like, yeah, I'll just I'm just going to use this. Or my friend used to call it grazing. It's kind of a bizarre name as well. Um, <laughs> um, but I remember I, one day I. Um, I arrived at his place. We had to go around to the back door. For some reason, he didn't have a key to the front door. 
And I mean, I figured that out, and actually, I knew beforehand it was actually a squat. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, his housemate was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Uh, and he, he's about to make himself some lunch, and he pulls out this huge garbage bag full of sandwiches, and he says, "Yeah, man, um, are you hungry? Uh, my mom works at a bakery." I'm like, your mom doesn't work at a fucking bakery. <laughs> <laughs> I know where that I know where that food comes from. But this, I, I wonder how these people like there must be a whole bunch of rules and, and ways to, to navigate the pitfalls. Because I, I have to think like if you work in a bakery and you, you're shoving all this stuff into a garbage bag, sometimes you might sweep the floor and just dump a bunch of dirt on top of the sandwiches, and that's what the, <laughs> what these people are going to be eating like tiny pieces from broken glass or something. Like it's it's not like the bakery's there to keep it <laughs> keep the thing clean. Well, I mean the, the the poor guy in the end of his shift that's cleaning a bakery. He's I mean that's probably the last thought in his mind. Someone's going to go through the bin and and take these you know day old bread rolls. Who's going to eat that? <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a his lot of fault. People. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> of course it's not. Of course it's not his fault. Is it? Yeah, he's, but, uh, he's not conscious of the the fact that this food still got value. He's just like, well, you know, I don't care. I'm going home. End of end of the day. Yeah, it's kind of weird how they do that actually. And it was interesting. I remember I was in the in in a mall or in a food court with with my friend again, and uh, he's walking around and and uh, he's he's looking for an opportunity to graze. But this time. <laughs> He's uh, like he's looking for people who've left their plate behind, uh, and so he can just walk up and and go, "Hey, have you finished this?" or or, or just take their take their plane and and start eating it, munching away. Um, or that day, what he what he actually did was just pushing the boundaries. Really, um, someone called out at the at, at the cafe like, "Hey." Uh, Order for Roberts and and uh, my buddy was like, "Yep, that's me." <laughs> Picked up the sandwich and walked away. Um, Ooh, call me Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but is that, yeah. that still grazing or is that just Robbie? Well, he called it grazing like the, <laughs> like to the, to these to these people they had a mentality like oh they would graze anything that was left behind like <laughs> they basically was there in some cases it was a code word for stealing like if somebody left their jacket behind in a club to be like yep somebody walk away from their, their beer for a second yep <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were it, completely shameless about uh, it too it, it seems funny. it seems a little bit weird i mean to, to think about i mean from my point of view to think about that um but then you know I can think of many examples, and it's not that you know it doesn't it hasn't really been that far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my, yeah. the reason I brought this up, like with the squatting, I, I don't find an objection to the squatting. Um, if and, you know, if they're taking care of the property, uh, it 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 seems a bit strange to me though, because I do believe strongly in private property, but the, I also believe in well. You know, if it's if it's there and nobody's using it, it it makes sense that you can use it. And if the um, if the owner doesn't evict you, he doesn't even ask you to leave. Well, what's the problem? Uh, <laughs> Depends but, if the owner knows if you're there or not. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that that's partly the I think that's the responsibility of an owner to to investigate that. But yeah, I guess it's a, a kind of contradiction within my own mind. But the the thing is, um, you know, they they're using these resources that that aren't used. They're putting them to use. Um, I mean, not when they're stealing. That's a different case. But when the, um, when when they're dumpster diving or something like that, um, they're they're making use. I mean, this it means this stuff doesn't go to the landfill. Uh, that's that saves resources and and yeah, they're getting a free feed out of it. So in my mind, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and this is the kind of um, I think I think the sharing economy is kind of a, an evolution of this kind of behavior. So things like um, like I think Couchsurfing must have been up for like ten years now. The, this website Couchsurfing.org. Have you ever used that? Never used it. No, me neither. Uh, but you know, it was it started out. People just have this sense of community online. They're they're like welcoming to people. You know, I have a. They say I have a spare couch. If you need, if you're in Melbourne or wherever, you can sleep on my couch. Uh, and and it took several years for someone to actually think, hang on, there's a business idea here and start Airbnb and similar sites. So, uh, you know, you got a spare couch or a spare room and someone can sleep in there for, for 10 or $20 a night. And it means they gain because they don't have to go to a hotel. It could be very expensive. And they, they even get use of the facilities like a kitchen or whatever. And it means you gain as well because you're renting out your your unused space to this person. So these resources that you have, which would have lain dormant, instead are going to the the hands of somebody who's going to make good use of them, and you get compensated. So everybody wins, except the hotels uh, who had the oligopoly and now they're kind of uh, dwindling in numbers. <laughs> well, they they offer a slightly different, you know, impersonal service. You know, yeah, which I'm sure some people that's still going to be very popular for many people, but uh, the idea of having someone, you know, a place to go to. I mean, the economic financial side of it's great, but even just mm-hmm. meeting new people, it's like you know, you got the same type of people yeah. that, that are looking to take people in that are also looking to expand their their friend list. Yes. So yes. I like the win-win. It's it's cool, and I'm not sure why I haven't used it. Because I mean, I know many people. Oh, you haven't used Airbnb either. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I looked when I was traveling through Europe. I was I was looking, but the, the time frame that people got back to me just didn't. I mean, I'm always very last minute. So yeah. um, I mean, nothing just nothing panned out that way. But I mean, I have I have couch surfed, just not not through those, like through friends of friends, and you know. Yep. Yep. Things okay. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, when when I was looking at accommodation for Acapulco, I was looking on Airbnb, and it was like like a few came up, a few good places came up, but they weren't available. And there was actually there was one place. It was like a campsite, and you rent a tent for ten dollars a night. I think it had Wi-Fi too. (laughs) The plus. Yeah. Got to stay connected. Luxury. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cool. Yeah. So. Then, then there's a whole bunch of other things. Of course, you know, Uber is getting really popular these days. And then you mentioned that other one, uh, Blah Blah Car. Yeah. How does that work? Well, um, that was, it was sent to me by, by a friend that lives in Toluca. And uh, it, it's, I mean, I need a quick look at the website. But essentially, the idea is that you can post your trip 
say uh, say that if I was traveling from from here to another city here in Mexico and I'm leaving this day around this time, then uh, I, I post how many seats are available. And anyone that's also in there can look up, you know, I want to go from here to here and they can see, oh, there, there's Aaron and he's leaving, you know, roughly the same time going, maybe I can get a, you know, a cheap ride. Mm. Um, I've, and then I post, you know, how much I, how much every seat will cost, you know, if I want to split the fuel or I can put it on for free. I mean, what, you know, whatever you want. Mm. And, you know, they, they might save themselves instead of catching a bus, I might cost them, you know, 50 bucks, you know, I might give them a lift for 10 bucks or for five bucks or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, so it, it's a platform where people can put trips that, that are available, that, that are happening and, you know, seats that are available. And then you can also search that same site for, you know, between these different cities to see, you know, what availability are there. I'm not sure if it's, if it's very popular, but it's in 14 countries. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see where, you know, where it started mm. because, Hey, if you're going to get a ride, you may as well get make some friends and get a cheap trip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least you don't know people. I mean, if you're traveling, if you're backpacking, then that's, that's exactly what you want. Yes. Because then, you know, chances are you're going to run into people that are traveling the same, you know, same cities you are. And, you know, they're pretty, you know, similar mindset to want to look for those kind of trips. And, you know, you might even find a crew to go, you know, check out some of the sites with. Yep. Yeah. So it's a social thing as well, I guess, helping people connect. Yeah. Well, this is what the technology is all about. I mean, social media and mm. the, the information technology platforms are allowing you to, to communicate with people fast. So, you know, you don't really need to have much, much planning to, mm. to meet people and to, to look at some of these websites. I mean, I'm sure you can book. I mean, it's, it's like real time, you know what I mean? Mm. So you can just turn up and say, what's, you know, what's going on? Whether it is you're looking for accommodation or you're looking for a, a trip, a ride, you know, it's, it's all good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I wish this was more available, you know, five, ten years ago when I was traveling. Yeah. Like at the moment, I'm a little bit heavier now. So, you know, so I'm, I'm not all up and let's, let's cruise and check out, you know, that side of the country. But, I mean, who knows? I, I might be able to convince Joyner of taking a few trips. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm going to check out this blah, blah, blah car, man. I'm going, I'm actually, I'm thinking of taking a trip to uh, Durango in a couple of months and then uh, maybe up to Tijuana uh, for a special little special little trip across the border. Uh, you going to take a bulletproof vest? <laughs> Is it really that bad in Tijuana? Well, if you haven't got a bulletproof vest and a helmet, you need a camera and a notebook. <laughs> well, I always need a camera and notebook. Oh, well, then, well, then you're set. <laughs> All sorted. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so Uber is coming in and, and changing things. And I, I saw this video this morning, this taxi driver who inherited his taxi medallion, I think it was in Chicago. Uh, so this at the time, the taxi medallion was probably worth a quarter of a million dollars. And now he's like kind of pissed. He's like, look, I, I understand this new company's coming in uh, and they're, they're doing their thing. Um, I only want it to be regulated so so it's nice and fair and even. And I'm like, yeah, right, nice and fair and even. I mean, how is it nice and fair and even when the, when these taxi companies had uh, oligopolies over over the 
um, taxi business for 50 years. How is that fair and even? <laughs> so you could just jack up the prices, you know, and and everybody has to charge the same. How is that fair and even? Tell me that. <laughs> well, we're and, talking uh, about two different, like different generations of, of people, different yeah. mindsets completely. Because, yeah. I mean, I think people that, that are, that are about the, the, this, this new idea of, you know, companies can come in and new products and you're knocking down these regulations. There's, mm-hmm. there's no more centralized services like this company that, you know, like, I mean, here it's the same thing. It's all over the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like what happened in, was it in Austin where they, where they tried suing Uber or they tried shutting them down? Or, I mean, the same thing. What happened? Um, well, it's, it's like, um, it's the same. Com- um, taxi companies don't want other kind of share Yep. Share, share cars or, uh, you know, even, I mean, they're pretty even against carpooling as well. That just seems so, <laughs> seems so logical. It's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. You can't yeah, well, conspire there's companies with your mates. Like, like uh, Relay, no, not Relay Roads, that's a bad example. Companies like Lyft and Sidecar, they are more, they're a little less like Uber and they're more like carpooling, but you have the opportunity to give the driver a tip. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, yeah, and blah, 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 car again. It's it's more like um, like carpooling. And yeah, I imagine that taxi companies would be against those as well. What yeah. about all the, the corporate bus companies? Mm. They all get together at the round table and they, they look at each other and go, what are we going to do? The people are, are working out. They can move together. <laughs> so they don't need us anymore. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully they get competitive. I mean, it's already all right here in Mexico because if you take a bus, you you know you have a, a screen with a, a computer in it, or like you can watch movies on it, just like you would on an international flight. Um, if that's for a you know for a premium bus company, um, but for the yeah for the shitty bus companies. Well, why why do you need them? Because <laughs> they're they're charging too much, and you don't get anything special for it. Um, you may as well go in a car with some some new friends. Yeah, I guess the the big advantage to to this type of this type of uh, service, I mean, mm. people people offering other people rides, mm. is that they can uh, they can all put up information, or you know, they they can work out some kind of what's the word I'm looking for? This is silly. Um, you know where where you can where you can like give someone you know three stars or or five yeah, stars a rating system a rating system <laughs> this is like revolutionary it is it is <laughs> it is it's true it's true it's yeah, like a rating system because you can't right. do that in a taxi <laughs> no yeah no you can't they get away with whatever they want yeah yeah. And, and like this guy coming in and saying, well, all our cabs are inspected and cleaned. And fuck off they are. You're a fucking idiot. Like what? <laughs> you're a fucking idiot or a fucking liar. I don't know which it is, but you're one of them. It's not, it's not good because <laughs> your, your taxis aren't clean. You know, you, t- you um, smell, smell like cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> well, it's, it's like someone's trying to support the company, the brand, and they, they want to blanket everyone and say you know we're we're top shelf and it's like you can't say that. that's why we charged twenty dollars for three kilometers because we're top yeah because we're top quality cabs is that australian dollars well that's a yeah i think that's what it that's a, that's pretty much a going rate isn't it i mean yeah uh i take i catch a I remember i would catch a taxi from crown casino to my home in fitzroy north and yeah it would be about 
uh, close to twenty dollars, and it, yeah, it's a, it's not a it's not a long taxi ride. It's like probably around ten minutes. But I mean, you know, it's a, that's if they take the right route. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, I mean, but that, that's not, that, that again is not exactly all their their fault. I mean, you know, they're just they're just people trying to run a business inside a overregulated country and industry. Yeah, it's like, and then insurances and everything else that gets put on top. It's like the business becomes very heavy financially. Yeah, that's true, but the the reason those regulations exist is because the taxi companies want them. So these people that are driving the taxis are the beneficiaries of this regulation. The the regulation enforces the oligopoly, and they they make more money because of it. Because no other company can come in and start a taxi company because it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a taxi license in Melbourne. And <laughs> but the, so, these barriers yeah. to entry are going to maintain a top quality service. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the narrative. That's a popular narrative. And it, it kind of confuses me how, how much people believe that. Well, I guess I used to as well. Um, well, we're told to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's complete nonsense that <laughs> but everybody thinks the, the government's there to protect you and, and make everything good for you. But no, it's not. It's there to protect special interests most of the time. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, it's there to protect their revenue stream. So, so, so maybe, if we had, maybe we had some, some, some kind of artificial intelligence yeah. or, or robot body that, yeah. that took over government. Do you think they'll look after people the same way if they didn't have personal interest? Oh, okay. This is really an interesting tangent. You're, you're talking about something like the Venus Project, where it's like a, a central, like a central processing unit for the society, where it decides what tasks need to be done and assigns assigns them to people, and, and then uh, like it also regulates the the temperature in the greenhouses in the community and well, controls the transport system and things like that. It, it seems like that kind of system would be able to maintain some kind of equal level of government without having you know these subjective or personal different you know, opinions or you know um, interests involved. But then you mm. know with that example, you clearly show that there's no freedom left at the end of the day. Yeah, it could be. Well. I remember <laughs> I listened to one interview. Really got we're getting way off topic, but they li love this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to an interview. This guy he claimed to be involved in the Philadelphia experiment, uh, and this uh, this experiment when they were trying to make the ship invisible to radar, like a, a like a, a battleship. And what he claimed happened was he was transported hundreds of years into the future. And the society he described was actually it aligned quite quite well with the the Venus project. Like he he was describing this kind of floating city, and the the computer kind of knew everything. And there was terminals all over the city, and you could ask the computer questions. But some things it would just tell him like, "No, nope, sorry, you're not allowed to know that." Uh, then, um, yeah, the, no, nobody really had to work, he said, because the, com the computer, the machines did pretty much everything. Uh, but then he, he said there was this other, it's like another world, but actually all it was was out of these, like these, these floating, these hovering cities um, on the ground, people had a, a completely different society um, uh, and like within, within the city, 
it was more or less implied that this this was a lawless land where where you know outlaws ruled the the place of warlords or something like that. Um, that I wonder what. Um, well, I wonder if there's any any truth to what what the hell he was talking about. But I also wonder if if it is true, uh, like were these people who were living outside of these uh, socialist, like techno socialist utopias, were the people living down on the ground when they actually free and and happy and you know productive and and um, on a completely different level intellectually. You're making me well, making me think about the movie Demolition Man. You have, <laughs> okay, yeah. you, have, you have people inside the the nice city or the nice society, and then you have yep. people underground. Yep. And the people underground, they they're always perceived to have no money. Mm. Like you know, it, it almost feels like you know they have to trade old school. Mm. Um, which, which is which is kind of similar to this sharing economy idea because yeah. it's like you know I have something of value, you have something of value, and mm. we're gonna we're gonna shift this. Yep. And, and then, you know, I, I guess modern examples or today examples are like everything like eBay or your gum trees and, you know, this technological level that allows me to post and to communicate mm-hmm. what, what I have a value and, you know, what I'm willing to trade for it yep. with, with at the moment is some value of money. I can, we can see that as some kind of this is a communication system mm-hmm. of I, I don't know what you have to trade with me, but I'll take this money this, this <laughs> a slab of beer yeah well, it's I mean, all it takes to get your house roofed yep <laughs> that, that sounds like good value <laughs> yeah watch us again at the paradise paradox watch us on youtube like us on facebook tweet us on twitter and listen to us on itunes or pocket casts sharing is caring that's an old dance joke about sharing partners sharing partners yeah <laughs> You know, because, you know, Sw- swing, swing dancing turns into a swingers club. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Um, something like that. You know, there's a swingers club right around the corner from here. You're not talking dance, are you? No. I had a dance club. I couldn't find one. <laughs> right. No, it's not. It's, it's not about dance. It's like hundred pesos cover, and um, yeah, I'm kind of curious what they do on there. It didn't. It didn't look very attractive from the outside. <laughs> well, you know, normally good places don't. <laughs> okay, okay. All the best places are really hidden. Yeah. But um, I mean, the reason why that came out was because you know we are talking about sharing economies, and dance partners spend a lot of time together, <laughs> and uh, you know a lot of interaction. So, you know, sometimes we share partners <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Um, okay. But All right. To, to get so, back to so the how business. Much, how much money is going into the swingers economy? Well, I, I don't know. Swing, swing dance you'd have partner to, sharing economy. Well, you'd have to go away. Uh, you have to stick your head in and check it out. Tell me how many people are in there and we'll multiply that by 100 pesos. Stick my head in. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that kind of kink. It's just a tip. <laughs> well, business. Um, Forbes magazine yeah. back 2013. Um, they try to estimate the, the revenue flowing into the sharing economy. Mm. So nothing about swingers, but uh, you know, they, they said that in 2013 it's going to surpass $3.5 billion. Um, and then you know, they're expecting growth of 25%. So I'm assuming that's a following year. But mm. um, considering it's still fairly early stages and then there's really only a couple companies working in each sector, mm. whether it's you know, share cars or, or um, I guess... Finance. There's what else is there? 
sharing economies, sharing marketplaces. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm, I'm just saying it's early. It's early. There's, there's really only one. There's, there's one leader per like section of sharing economies. I'm sure there's a lot yeah, more competition. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the the car one, of course, is a is a big one. Uh, with I mean, yeah, we, like we mentioned, Uber, Lyft, Sidecar, but then then there's uh, relay rides as well, where you can put up your car. And oh, get get around. It's a similar thing where you put up your car and say, "Well, if someone wants to rent my car, go go for it." And on the get around side, it says you can get up to ten thousand dollars per year renting your car out. So that might be a good investment for for somebody. Like if you buy, you know, twelve thousand dollar car and just whack it up there and you know make like a not eighty ninety percent ROI. It would be pretty sweet. <laughs> you want to check your insurances, though. Yeah. Because, I mean, insurance companies are sneaky. Well, I think they provide insurance with these services. But, yeah, that's a, that would be definitely something to check out. Yeah. Of course, I'm not Yeah, I'm not recommending any of these sites in particular, but these are just a few that came up. I'm not, I'm not trying to give anybody financial advice. We're all just messing with ideas, man. Ideas. Just entertaining the mind. Ideas, the economy of, of the future. So, other than Airbnb, yep. is there any other accommodation ones that you come across that are good, like mm, that good financial models? No, I mean, the, I think there's a couple of knockoffs of Airbnb, but the they, the one I, I remember I was looking at one once called it was called Roomy or Room something or other, and uh, it it cost like five times as much, so it was like for it was like the premium Airbnb, I guess, uh, but. Uh, other than that, I, I don't think Airbnb really has many competitors. Other, other than the, you know. so that's the thing. Then yeah, then you have um, a few of them which are made for for doing jobs for people, or getting someone to do a job for you. So you have things like Fiverr, uh, which is for mainly for doing jobs online, and then you have TaskRabbit and Zali. So Zali is like. If you want someone to, to mow your lawn or wash your dishes or if you want someone to bake you a cake and you want to get a homemade cake for your birthday, you go on Zali and get someone in your neighborhood to do it for you, which is kind of cool. It's a personal touch. I got to offer my services. <laughs> what kind of services? You're going to bake some Cookies. special cakes, yeah, special brownies. Yep. And, yeah, so, and uh, of course... The financial sector, I think this is going to be huge, actually, the financial part of the sharing economy. Um, so, of course, peer-to-peer lending is starting to come through. One of the big sites is called Lending Club. And uh, so the the idea is you go, you go on there and you can find financing and, and the investors put their money up and, and they divide it finally among many investors sorry, among many investments, among many borrowers. And so you get a, a small amount of money from each of these lenders and then you, and hopefully you get a better rate than what you could get from a bank or from a credit card. Um, so uh, and one of these sites I, I've been messing around with is Bitbond, which uses Bitcoin. And so you can lend to people all over the world and there's, uh, you know, money crossing boundaries left and right. Um, my, um, well, my experience hasn't been the greatest with Bitcoin, which, uh, with Bitbond rather, which it isn't, it's not a reflection on the side at all. 
Uh, it's just I had a, <laughs> I made a couple of um, bad loans, I guess, and and it looks like I'm I'm not gonna. Um, I might like a few of the loans are going to default and it's not going so well for me, but I still think this idea is, is a good idea. And I think people are going to uh, start looking at avoiding banks, looking at other ways that they can finance their projects. And, and this is a big way that they're going to do it. This P2P lending, um, mm. I, the part that fascinated me the most was it's not exactly, you know, I'm going to let this person borrow money. It's like you give them a, a tiny percent and it's like this big anonymous body of, P, of lenders mm. are, are joining forces to lend you maybe 1% of the total amount that you want to borrow. Mm. So it's not like you know, the risk is a huge risk individually. Yeah. It's, it's maybe, yeah. I mean, the risk is on the, the person paying them back um, entirely, but it's mm. not exactly your, you know, your capital entirely that you're putting out there. Yes. Which, which I think, you know, that's going to give the people a, some kind of comfort in letting people, you know, I might let someone borrow $10. They yeah. might want to borrow 1000 but, you know, there's another 100 people that are throwing in $10. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what Lending Club says. Lending Club's claim is that 99.9% .9 of people who invest money on their site, who lend to, who distribute their portfolio among a hundred borrowers, ninety nine point nine percent of the of those investors receive a good return, or they they get their money back and more. They make money on the deal, uh, and so that's a pretty big claim. I haven't I haven't investigated that, so I don't know if that's true or not. But it's it seems it seems pretty good to me. Um, seems like a good way to. Um, to to make a little money, to make a little passive income, if you've got some money laying around, maybe. Well, that, that's one positive, but mm. um, but but looking at the, the bigger picture, yeah, there's a lot of people that are going for these loans that have no access to yep. to banking services, and you know they might only want to borrow five hundred bucks to do their next season's plantation or something. Mm. They might have a farm, or they. Mm. Um, I know I know my brother's a fan of of Kiva. And, Kiva, yeah. Tell and, us about Kiva. Well, Kiva is like uh, it's a very similar, uh, very similar platform where yep. it's it's micro loans internationally to mm -hmm. mainly to people in in third world countries that aren't gonna aren't gonna have access yep. to to credit or to banking or to bank accounts and and some some accounts might only want fifty dollars. Yeah, which to them yeah, the, these are interest-free loans. You're you're giving these people money for for like six months so they can do their thing with it and then get it back to you. Yeah, exactly. It's essentially yeah. uh, extended charity because mm -hmm. once they pay their money back and I think the percentage is, is quite high because I mean, these people are so grateful to get the money mm -hmm. to get them out of the situation they're in mm -hmm. that you know, they do whatever they can to pay, to pay back. Yeah. And then once you do, I mean, you don't normally pull the money out. You usually let someone else borrow it yeah. and, and let, it, let it keep cycling. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you know, that, that's kind of a, a mix between a charity and this, you know, P two P kind of capitalist charity model. Like it's a, like we'll we'll meet you halfway, you know, we'll we'll give you some money, um, but we'll we'll expect it back too, and that and that means that money can, like you said, it go it goes on to help more and more people. Mm. So so it, it it's not like just giving someone a handout and saying yeah, just take it, you know, do whatever you want with it. Which is all like things like foreign aid that, that governments give. What normally happens with foreign aid, it should be so, so transparent, but it takes a little bit of analysis to see it. 
what normally happens, like you have a, a, a government in a, a, a very corrupt country or a very corrupt government, I should say. And, and what happens is uh, this, this government is absolutely terrible at running the country and, and uh, you know, they oppress the people and people can't get ahead. Uh, they can't be productive. And then, you know, a big government like the Australian government will say, well, we're going to give five million dollars or you know 50 million dollars to the congolese government um yeah just take it where do you think that money goes it goes straight into the mansion of of the dictator of the congo or, or the president or whatever <laughs> he could have been hungry too <laughs> yeah yeah that guy was starving for a mansion and and a harem of 100 women yeah <laughs> just that guy was thirsty. <laughs> uh, I, I saw a, a brief documentary on, uh, I think, I believe it was the UN dropping uh, food and supplies into um, into, into Israel. Mm. Like, I, I'm not sure what's what's that gap called in between, like the Gaza Strip, the Gaza Strip mm. um, for the Palestinian people. Mm. And it's like the, you know these people that they drive. I mean, I don't know, are they even getting paid? These people that drop the food in there, but they, they didn't care. They just drove the trucks in there and started pushing the pallets of, of rice and supplies and you know, other, you know, yeah. su- supplies, and everything just got destroyed. Like, you know, they're, like they're, okay. they're, they're, so, they're so scared of something happening that right. they, they, they race in there, they drop it all off, and then they take off. And it's like, you know, you see like... Is it, are these UN workers, didn't you say? I, I, believe, it, I believe it is. I mean, you know, okay. I, I'm not going to say 100%, but I, 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 from memory, I believe it was like UN, UN um, mm-hmm. supplies. But I mean, there was a pallet of eggs and they just pushed it off. And it was like, there was a kid scooping eggs and, and stuff up. And it was just like, you know, that's not, there's going to be a better way. It's not kosher. It can't be. <laughs> it was like, eggs kosher? I'm sure. <laughs> I, I don't know the rules on that. <laughs> I don't know, but the Palestinians anyway. It doesn't matter if it's kosher. Um, <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. But I mean, we're talking about dirt. Yeah, it's, it's land. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be easier ways to to drop off supplies rather than just like out the back of it. It's not a helicopter. Yeah. But anyway, it was it was a waste. So yeah, you've got to consider when you're donating to charities. How are they going to? How are they going to uh, FedEx the the rice packages mm. or the eggs? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a thing because when I look at charities, I mean, I've I've given a lot of money to charity over the years, but I haven't always investigated thoroughly which charity I'm giving it to. And and I'm sure a lot of people do this as in like, hey, it's you know, it's a charity, it's a good cause. But how do you know what they're actually doing with it? And and a lot of people make that mistake. It's like if you're if you're buying something for yourself, yeah, you'll be very careful for them with the money. But if you spend if you're spending it on charity or if you're giving the money to charity, and sometimes you won't. It's kind of a perverse mind trick, upside down, in, inside out, um, Jedi mind trick that the charities pull on you. The charities around every corner trying to exploit you. Well, you signed up to your dollar a day, so you know you get your your value of warm and fuzzy. Mm. And then on the yeah, other, on the other exactly. side of the wall, it's like I, that's not my deal. It's like yeah. I just want to feel good about giving back. It's like well, you're not giving anything back <laughs> to, yeah. to where you think you're giving it back to. Yeah, yeah. 
so another interesting um, sharing side or share, sharing economy concept is called FON. And this is a, a Wi-Fi, a system of sharing Wi-Fi. So for example, at your home in the moment, you have a router and what you do, go on the FON website, look it up, <laughs> F-O-N, and you'll find that they offer you a router for sale. So you can go on there, you buy a router, and instead of having one Wi-Fi signal, this router will have two Wi-Fi signals. So it has the private Wi-Fi signal, which you would use, and it has the, the, the public or semi-public uh, Wi-Fi signal, which other FON members will use. And so this means everybody who purchases and uses one of these routers and sets it up in their home has access to this international network. Now, it's not in, entirely international, but it has a big presence in, say, Brazil, and Western Europe, and um, a bit of a presence in the United States as well. So, so this this means that you you don't have to worry so much about um, where you're going to get your Wi-Fi from anymore. Well, at least it, it won't in the future, um, because you can log on to this site. You're already a member of this international network, and uh, everybody's sharing. You you share a little bit of your signal, and people share a little bit of their signal, and and it all kind of works out. Uh, and and it's it's not um, the ideal, which is what I'm hoping for in the next five or ten years is that mesh nets will become really popular, and we we won't need so, so much a centralized internet service with with internet service providers. There's a few um, things that need to be figured out about that, and and uh, I wonder if it will become if it doesn't become really cheap. Uh, if, I wonder if it doesn't become free, maybe it will become really, really cheap. And there's, a, there actually, there is, oh, there's another site which is doing something similar, which I, uh, the the name of it escapes me right now. Um, I'll put the link in the description. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's that one. That seems like a good cool. bridge. Like yeah. A, because mesh nets, you said you know maybe five ten years away. Yeah. Before they're big enough to in-house, you know, a good population. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I mean, this is I really, mean, there are there are hobby projects all over the world. Like you can go and you know look up MeshNet Melbourne and you'll find one. Um, but it's a it's a like it is a hobby thing. Like you can go on there and play games with people and share videos or whatever. But it's not really connected to the main internet. That's kind of the issue. Hey, you need you need a main even with this service, you need a main connection. Yeah, I guess yeah. you still need internet. But you know, yeah. at least you know you can give your community internet, yeah. and you can move around, and there's more internet. Yeah, <laughs> keep yeah. those internets yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt. I think those mesh nets are a good thing, regardless if they ever get like fully encompassing the globe. Yeah, and then another one was Poshmark. So uh, this, you actually had this idea, but I guess you didn't realize it was already implemented. <laughs> Maybe someone plucked your idea out of the ether and stole it. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this idea of, well, I was actually, was watching Joanna. Yeah. She gave me the idea because, I mean, to all those husbands out there that, that have wives or, um, yeah, have wives, <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you, you watch, you watch your female partner um, select clothes and store clothes and shoes mm. and it's, it's incredible how many uh, varieties and, and selections appear to be exactly the same but um, are very distinctly different apparently. 
Um, and I thought, well, you know, why don't you just work out like, you know, other chicks in your neighborhood that have the yep. same, you know, style and shoe size and, you know, dress style of, I don't know, like fashion sense, um, compare sizes, make a profile, and then mm. all of a sudden, you know, open up each other's closets mm. so you can start sharing clothes. It, just, it made sense because, you know, it, it's, it's quite hefty on the budget yes. as well. It's like, yes. you know, I'm, let's go out this, this Friday for dinner. Oh, and I need to buy a new dress. A, and matching shoes and a little belt and my bag. I don't have a bag to go out with this anymore. And it's like, well, can't you call a, call a friend? Is that, <laughs> is that a different TV show? <laughs> Apparently yeah. not. But now you you can use this Poshmark so you can make a little community and it, and it apparently will recommend you people based on your taste of clothing and, and then you can, you know, find your, find your neighbors and say, oh, well, I love that top, um, can I wear that? And, you know, you get things in your size and, and uh, that's kind of cool. So you can uh, find a way to be fashionable on a budget. Yeah, and the accessories, endless yep. accessories. Yep. But it's... It's a solution to a, a modern day problem because <laughs> yes. the bags got to match the shoes. <laughs> the shoes needs to match the belts. Of course, of course, it is imperative that the shoes match the belt. Can't be seen outside without matching. The world cannot go on without matching shoes and belt. Okay, so then there's another one, <laughs> which seems slightly more useful to me. It's called neighbor goods. This one's only available in a few cities in the United States at the moment. Uh, but th this is kind of cool because it's saying you're only, maybe you have a small lawn and you only mow it once every two or three months. So you don't actually want to spend $300 on a lawn mower. Um, but if your neighbor can lend you one for five or $10, of course it makes sense for you to do it. So you go on this website and people will advertise things they have. So may maybe tools or um, maybe a big screen TV or like a, a bar fridge. If you're having a party, you need an extra fridge. And you go in here, put it, put up what stuff you have, and then people can rent it off you for a day or a couple of days, and and you'll be compensated. And and that means you know you again, it's a win-win situation. Um, you get to use this this thing for a short time. Um, the person gets to to put it to use, even uh, while yeah while it would have otherwise been laying dormant and unused and they make money from it so it all works out yeah it's like unlocking the value mm. a lot of families do it mm. but to do it with your neighbors unless you're good neighbors like yeah. you, you lack that trust and i think the the technology and the, the social yep. systems are going to give you that those ratings yep. that you're going to be able to trust people and then you know yeah. share their gear and then you know know that there's something you know the the system that's going to govern that in a yep. way that you know it allows you to access and receive. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, I was just thinking how exciting, how exciting this, this new stage of, of life is going to be because mm. you, um, it, it opens up the, the options for, well, I'm really seeing, you know, we, we grew this time, time equals money, money is time issue, and like, that's it's been drilled into us yeah. so well. Yeah. And, and now it's almost like a liberation from that because yeah. now I don't, I don't need to be giving up my time to collect money, to buy shit when uh, I can just knock on the neighbor's doors and, and that's just a, a, a poke on Facebook yeah. now because they told me that they got a they got an esky there that I might need for a party that I'm going to and, yep. you know, I chip them a couple bucks and they let me borrow it. So it's like, why am I collecting shit? 
So <laughs> why, why am I working to do that? It's like this whole uh, fight club notion of the stuff you have become, ends up owning you yeah. when you, know, you should just own yourself, your own time, yeah. and not, not worry about collecting. Plus, yeah, that's right. Well, it can mean a whole less, a whole lot less maintenance as well. Because you, if you have such few things, uh, then it's, it's like, yeah, if you you borrow a bike or from Liquid or you borrow a car from from uh, relay rides, and, and you don't have to worry about who's fixing it, um, so that saves you a whole lot of time as well. You know, that's that, that just works out to a couple of dollars every time every time you buy it. Um, you don't have to worry about taking it to the shop and the, uh, there's a whole bunch of problems that it solves. So it gives you this, this free time and free money to in, do something else with your life. <laughs> in, in space because all, the, all those yeah. bikes and cars aren't going to fit in that tiny house you just built. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. In your tiny house, like your 20 square meter house, uh, you, don't have, <laughs> you don't have enough room for three cars. <laughs> You can rent three cars at once if you want to. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's interesting with the, with the notion of money because, you know, we, we start looking at cash flow. Mm. And, uh, I mean, when you look at the, the, the economics of having a big house and filling with all this stuff mm. and then, you know, a bike that you might ride once a week or, uh, you know, that, that, I don't know, gym equipment that you might use. I mean, you want to use it three times a week, but you might use it once a week. And that's if anyone that bought gym equipment, you know, that's, that's a doubt you can use it once a week. But, I mean, you start pulling back and you realize there's so much more money that you have to do things like, like travel and to, you know, explore the world, I guess, in general. I mean, and that could just be your neighborhood, you know. Maybe you should know about all the restaurants that are in your, you know, in your city. Or, you know, you should check out that east side, west side and, uh, you know, take advantage of all the different flavors opposed yeah. to, uh, as opposed to, to not because you know you, you just don't have the money for it mm. but i mean but if you have the cash flow then it's like it's different it's a different way of thinking it's a, di- it's a different life yeah so um i mean i guess being able to share things is going to be it's going to change everything it's going to be a completely different yeah. world yeah so that, yeah that could absolutely be a thing like if your neighbor has a really good gym and you're like oh yeah i'll, I'll pay you uh 10 bucks a, a day every time every day i come over there and it saves you the the money and the and the time and the uh, space buying all this equipment. You can just use what he has, uh, and yeah, the, I'm sure you know most most neighbors will be happy with that. <laughs> You're pretty happy to have someone train with him. Yeah, that's true. Like, How about you just give me a spot and you come over here whenever you want? <laughs> yes, free gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it could lead to something like that, and. Uh, or another example I, I thought of, like, what if you have, um, you, you might not have a fancy uh, home studio, but you might have some kind of studio in your home, like maybe just like three mics and, and you have a, a mixing desk and, you know, enough to record a couple of MCs and they, they come over and you, they pay you like $10 an hour just to, to, to record them or, or just to lend them the equipment and make sure they don't uh, screw anything up. <laughs> and and uh, I'm sure there are a lot of home studios out there which could, could be lent out like that. It's really social, isn't it? 
Mm. Like it's yeah. it's a real social movement because you know you, you said that you know ten bucks here you know come over and record or you know go to the gym and throw a few bucks there borrow the mower borrow, borrow the esky but it's like the money's irrelevant because you've got stuff that you're letting people borrow as well mm. so as long as everyone's given an equal amount then you receive everything you want like mm. there's nothing outside every community is going to have a recording studio or a gym or yeah. a, or a, a pool or someone's going to have yeah. something that yeah. you're going to want. And you know you chip them the the usable token in that yeah. society, and then you know that token's going to come back when you let someone borrow something you have. Yep. And then and then it's like you know what I don't even need money anymore. <laughs> yeah, it could it could get to that extent, but I think money is still is still useful as that kind of tally, that placeholder. Just to so. weed out the the freeloaders. <laughs> yeah, but, um, that, I guess that's part of it. Yeah, but the, you know another cool thing about this is. Uh, it actually makes a lot of these services invisible. Like a lot of the time with Uber, when you rent a car, the government doesn't know uh, and the taxi services don't know and nobody really knows. It's it's all like kind of this, um, it's not a cash in hand transaction, but it's kind of an under the table transaction. And the, the, the regulators who are trying to crack down on these transactions, they, they try to call up and, and Uber's like, nah, man. I don't know what you're talking about, or they close their account down for suspicious activity because they're like, this guy's a total knock. Uh, so, so this this invisible economy, this unregulatable economy, like sort of like a black market, or you might call it a grey market, uh, and it means that people will be more free because the the idea that the nation state can control you is somewhat reliant on the notion that they can actually see what you, you're doing and that's only if if these transactions are like in a in an open market in a place where, where it's openly observable and that's not the case anymore so nobody really knows if you're if, if you're um doing like some kind of <laughs> illegal dinner party this is a, an example i heard in a speech by jeffrey tucker the other day like in new york city uh, all the restaurants or, or the regulators were getting really mad because there were these illegal dinner parties where people would go around, they, they'd pay a monthly subscription to these clubs and they'd go around to different people's houses and the, and the, the chefs would come and, and cook for these people. It's a lot cheaper than a restaurant because you don't have to pay the, the rent and the, all the overheads and the taxes and, and this type of thing, all the regulatory nonsense. Um, you just sit down with the, with some interesting people and have a good meal. Uh, and uh, Jeffrey Tucker mentioned that he was he was reading some articles saying that this is you know it's it's terrible this you know this illegal economy and and he was of course he's like this isn't terrible this is freedom and the, this is great people can connect in this invisible way and there's nothing uh, our ruling class can do about it. <laughs> It's it's all starting to fall into our hands, and that, that does mean more responsibility. But and, you know, we already have these reigning systems, and that's a great tool for us to sort out the wheat from the chaff. Someone just hung up the phone. What do you mean? Like they, just, they just hung up the phone, like you're not listening to us anymore. <laughs> it's like that that reverse styles. You know, we just like the communication's being cut. Yeah. Like there, there's no, uh, there's no more, there's no more spying. Yeah. There's, there's no more need to, to regulate. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. The the market can regulate itself. Like if there was any doubt that it could, now it's it's making it very obvious that it that it can do that. And reputation is a huge factor in a free market. And now, yeah, one one other example of which is kind of related to a sharing economy, which which is um, it's it's an unusual example. It's the, a piece of software which is called Ushahidi. And the, the background to this is that in 2008, there was an election in Kenya and the, the incumbent president, Mwai Kibaki, uh, got elected again. But one of the opposing parties, the, the Orange Democratic Party, uh, started pointing fingers and said, hey, something's wrong here. This is some kind of electoral fraud. There's some kind of manipulation going on here. And... Uh, this was confirmed by other independent, um, independent interest, independent sources as well. They investigated and found the same thing, and so there were protests. And then, unfortunately, the protests devolved into riots, and there were all these kinds of problems. And somehow, I don't, I don't um, know the full story, but somehow, somebody had this piece of software or developed this piece of software on the like on the fly, uh, it's a kind of tracking software or it's like a kind of data collection software. So it, it enables you to report events and they're placed on a map so anybody can log in and see where these events are happening. So if someone wants to report a riot or some incident of violence, um, some, something bad happening in the country or something good happening like peaceful activism or, or um, when, when people need help, uh, if people need medical attention, they could report it on there. Um, so these, the, these people could get help or so, something like that. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And this, this has been used, it's an open source piece of software. It's a free piece of software. And this has been used again and again. Um, uh, it was used in 2011 in the Christchurch earthquake um, to report what was going on so people can maintain it. The, the thing about this is previously, previous to this, the, this type of software would have been worth thousands and thousands of dollars and it would have been exclusive to like big news corporations um, to use it as, as an analytical tool to try to figure out where the big news was or something like that or try to draw conclusions uh, between the news stories. But now it's like available to everybody. So it draws, out, um, it draws into what we were talking, to, talking about uh, a few episodes ago about uh, journalism this is like this decentralized form of journalism. Anybody can log in and report something and, you know, have their message seen. And uh, one, one example we looked at was map.labucketbrigade.org. And this is in Louisiana in the United States. Uh, and they, they put up the system because there was problems with oil spills and now they're, ma they're maintaining the system. So even if someone comes into the harbor and they're leaking, I don't know, we, what, what was that case we looked at? It was leaking gear fluid or something? Yeah, it was like leaking some kind of motor, motor fluid. Yeah. Um, from what it looked like, you know, some, someone at work, like, you know, like a, work, yeah. a workplace hazard report or something. Yeah, yeah. It, looked, it actually looked, from the nature of the report, it seemed like the crew of 
the ship was actually the one who was reporting the incident. Um, so it's like this this can be used to, to vol- for, for companies to volunteer information about things which later might become hazards. Um, and um, in the future, I guess this kind of thing could be uh, used internationally. Like I don't see why there shouldn't, shouldn't be. Like you have this website like smarttraveler.gov.au, which is a government website, and they're trying to tell you which uh, countries are dangerous and generally, I completely ignore what they say on there. That's because every country is dangerous, according to them. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. I, I like every country has, you know, pl- plots of uh, drug cartels killing people or whatever. Um, yeah, it's d- dangerous all over Russia and wherever. You know, it's very hard to find a place that that says safe <laughs> on there. So generally, I, I you know ignore exactly what they say um but this this system would be more decentralized so it's not like a government where they actually have some kind of vested interest in stopping you from leaving the country um it's just regular people reporting on what they see and then you can use that yourself to determine if you want to travel to a country or you know maybe it would um it would actually help a lot of independent journalists if they want to get their the true skinny on what's going on in a embattled country they could log on there and and see which which countries um have an interesting situation developing and um try to find out the real story yeah as for the platform it looks like it can handle that that mass uh, like you know mm. like you're talking about like natural disasters mm. and, and things of, of a larger scale but i mean it's the system should be used in in neighborhoods yeah it's, it's the sort of thing where you know you'd want the, your community to say you know this is something that happened in our street last week in case, yep. you know, so we all know, you know, what we're looking out for. But yep. I mean, it doesn't have to be an, an incident. It could be, you know, we're having an event mm-hmm. or this happened. Or congratulations to, you know, this family that did something, you know, good or, you know, anything. Like yep. real news for people as opposed to, uh, you know, what, you know, what building fell down or something, <laughs> something like that. And, you know, <laughs> or what bus route not to take. Or, or, uh, <laughs> well, that's so important to... <laughs> no, it, it, it is important, but I mean, yeah. you know, there needs to be a balance. It can't just be just bad news all the time. Like, it doesn't have to be bad to be to be news. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could fil- filter it out and say, I want to hear some good news from my neighborhood and find something interesting on there. So it could be, this could develop into a kind of social media as well. Uh, this was also used to plot the movements of certain Occupy protests. Uh, so that's another use for it. You know, so it wasn't necessarily something dangerous though i guess at points that was dangerous but um yeah it can be used for a lot of things or you know like a missing person report um that would be something um very vital to put on there so sharing information yeah the sharing information economy yep (laughs) important economy to be up with the informations yeah yeah. So, yeah, this is really great, all this stuff, because it, it means people can save resources and they can pull together and, and uh, use their money in new ways and use things that they wouldn't otherwise be using. And, and it means, uh, yeah, all these, all these resources come together and um, it means people can use their money for more exciting things, maybe being entrepreneurs or traveling or 
donating to save the rainforest projects or, you know, planning a new rainforest or, you know, and they could use it for, yeah. for a lot of things. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to empower people to do what, what they feel like they need to do yep. without being weighed down with, you know, this, this old school system of collection. Yep, yep. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yes, very interesting. Cool. Hmm. <laughs> cool. So my name's Kurt Robinson. And my name's Aaron Bethel. And we've been the Paradise Paradox, and we continue to be the Paradise Paradox as we're hurtling through space at hundreds of thousand kilometers per hour. Uh, press like on YouTube. Press subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a comment on YouTube or on Facebook on our Facebook page, press the get notifications button, hover over the like button and press get notifications so you know every crazy piece of shit that we're up to. Press subscribe on iTunes, press subscribe on Pocket Casts and go on to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. We really love it when you give us a a few dollars. Uh, Suggested donation is one US dollar per episode that you like. Uh, so, so we do absolutely appreciate that because every time we we receive a little bit of money uh, or a big chunk of money, a big old hundred dollar bill in, straight in our, our back pocket, we say, "Hey, this means somebody out there likes what we're doing. This means what we are doing is valuable to you." So that's a that's a great message. Uh, that we love to receive and of course it also helps us um, in practical means as well Um, like trying to upgrade the the quality of our podcast and everything and also I want you to press share because every time you share this shares and creates a sharing economy across the internet is caring is caring (laughs) sharing is caring Share, share with your partner share your partner share your partner at a swing club or a swingers club or both or well, 10 you know, bucks every time so, every time you share aaron battle is going to do the charlton at a at a swingers club you know i i probably do it for free you don't you don't need to share <laughs> great <laughs> all right uh yeah so share it on twitter share it on tumblr share it on facebook and share it on your bathroom wall at work because everybody loves to see something interesting there And have a good one. That's true. Peace. Peace.